too grateful for our worship team. Man, Spencer gets a weekend off and we get the best of the best still. Hey, I'm so grateful. It's so awesome to see people using their gifts. And what I love about the heartbeat of our, these team members is they're not here to just, you know, show their voices. They're here to lift their voices and to help lead us, to, to use the gifts that God's given them to, to bless him and to, to lead and encourage us. And uh, really, really grateful for that. So good to be with all of our Port Clinton Chapel family this morning. A couple of things before we dive into the last message of our Unwrapping Christmas series. Uh, hopefully over these last couple of weeks, you got the chance to grab one of our annual reports. And if you didn't get one of those, um, I would encourage you, stop at the Welcome Center, uh, take one, peruse it. Uh, there's some stats, statistics, numbers, uh, but really the heartbeat of the, of the report is the stories of what God has been doing over this past year. Um, there's one page in there that I want to highlight, and it kind of points to a few newer ministry endeavors that we were able to do in this past year. Uh, for example, we did the churches left the building. Hadn't done that for several years, and some of you got to be a part of that. Uh, the Blessings of Hope Ministry, which is a, a cancer care ministry, has launched. And I know there have been people from uh, this campus that have been touched, but Norwalk and, and Sandusky as well. There's something powerful when someone who's been there, who's walked through cancer, comes alongside of someone else that is going through it. And uh, that was all started because of people's involvement, engagement, and support. Um, we gave away over six tons of warm clothing, blankets, stuff for, for our Warming the Homeless Drive, which was a huge, huge win. We celebrated 10-year anniversary of our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, and uh, people's lives are continuing to be changed uh, through, through that ministry. So, so many things. Bible and Ball was a brand new endeavor. Uh, Pastor Eric wanted to start just for his boys, you know, and, and uh, it's just grown into this thing where kids from our community uh, in Sandusky, they're just coming to play ball, but what they discover is the truth of Scripture uh, and how it applies to their lives. And so that's a great outreach opportunity that we're, we're beginning to have, and that'll re-kick off in the new year. So all those things are to say, when you give at the chapel every weekend or on a monthly basis uh, or special one-time gifts, it's empowering these kind of stories. And uh, we just want to say thank you, and as, you, as we come to the end of this year and look to kind of plan ahead for 2022, uh, anything that you can do beyond your normal giving as a year-end special gift, it just sets us up to move forward strongly and to continue these stories in the lives of people. And so thank you for, for participating with us in that, okay? A uh, couple other things. Uh, Christmas Eve is coming in your worship program, or when you came in, you should have received a little, you got those forms? I want to encourage you to grab that because we still have several uh, volunteer needs. And if everybody would just say, hey, we're going to come and enjoy a service as a family, we want you to do that. But if everybody said, hey, and count me in just to serve at one service as a greeter or back in the children's area with our kids, and we make it so simple, and Becky and the team, and you can just come in and love on some toddlers or hold some babies, and that will enable some, some of their parents to be able to come in here and be enriched with the message of Christmas again, 
And uh, with, with, you know, extra services and more people attending, we really need your help. And so if you'll fill that form out and just say, hey, I'll do something. Count me in. I'll, I'll serve in the parking lot. I'll, I'll make some coffee. I'll greet at the door. I'll work with the kids. Uh, that will mean a ton. And if you can fill those out, drop them in the giving boxes today. That way our team can start to plan and fill all those holes, and uh, you can be a part of that. All right? Reminder, our Christmas Eve services next week. We're looking forward to those here at the Port Clinton campus. We've got services actually on the 23rd, so that's a great option if you're uh, traveling, you know, for Christmas Eve day or something like that. Uh, so that'll happen at 6.30 p.m. on the 23rd, and then on the 24th, three services, two, 3.30 and 5 p.m., so make sure you uh, plan to be with us. Show up early. The seats get filled up, and uh, we look forward to candlelight and some special things for the kids, and it's going to be a tremendous uh, Christmas Eve service, all right? As a reminder, then, that following weekend, the 25th and the 26th, uh, we will not have in-person services that weekend. So come for Christmas Eve, but then enjoy a service online from the comfort of your own family room in your PJs, uh, sipping on your own cup of coffee with your family around you huddled in. Pastor Charles has prepared a great message via video that you guys will, will all get to enjoy on, on uh, the 25th or 26th. So tune in there. Don't show up here. We won't be here. We want to give our volunteers and some of our team members a little breather uh, in, in that, that midweek gap. All right? So every week of preparing for Christmas, we've been launching a new masked caroler video. Have you enjoyed those? Yeah, you've, at least they've You've laughed at them at our expense. Okay, yes, and, and maybe you've shared them. I hope you have. So with no further ado, here is the third episode of The Masked Caroler. Welcome to this week on The Masked Caroler. I'm your host, Bo Jingles, and we have a battle of the ages. Four pastors going head-to-head, -head, battling with their voices. The only surprise is we don't know who's who, but Chapel family and friends, you get to decide who's who on this week of The Mass Caroler. I'll tell you this much, Christmas tree is no fake. He exudes authenticity like sap from a spruce. Many people admire the way he shines a light on difficult topics and adds color to every sermon. So get ready for a performance that will make you say, oh, Tannenbaum. Ladies and gentlemen, singing joy to the world, the Christmas tree. say that was tremendous let's hear from our judges thank you Christmas tree uh, there were some high points and there were some low points so I can tell that you're really branching out doing something like this and that's respectable but just to bring us back to the Bible the Apostle Paul calls the church to serve using their gifts and I just don't know if singing is your gift your dancing, however, was inspired. 
don't know. I, I think maybe this is your shot. You know, it doesn't take all the pitches to make you a great singer. It's the, the Christmas spirit. And you could tell with your dancing, you had all the dedication and the commitment out there. So nice job, Christmas tree. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see who's under that costume. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. Um, vocally, a little weak. Uh, some of the runs and scoops were a little an interesting choice. Big scoops. But there's this like childlike wonder about you when you're dancing. That that's true. just yes. beautiful, magnificent. So thank you. Well, you've heard from our judges. Now it's your turn to decide who you think the masked caroler is. And you can find out our season finale at our Christmas Eve services at the chapel. Oh, just a little tear, a little tear, you know. And so punny, punny, so punny, huh? All right, well, hey, I, I, hope, I hope that brings some laughter, some joy this Christmas season. And uh, that video will be available online after this afternoon on our social media platforms. And you can share it, invite a friend. I've talked to several people even today already so excited because they've reached out to a, a neighbor or a coworker or a friend, and uh, they're coming. They're coming for Christmas Eve. And uh, this might be our only chance in some people's lives to, to share the real message of Christmas and the real reason why Christmas. And uh, so thank you for partnering and, and reaching out and, and being a part. Well, we are wrapping up our Unwrapping Christmas series. See what I did there? Kind of punny myself. Uh, yeah, so we've been uh, journeying through uh, the Christmas season together and looking at some of the different traditions that are so common. And we've been answering the question, well, why gifts and why family and why singing? And this weekend, we come to one more big part of what the holiday season seems to be about, and that's why generosity. Why is it that at Christmas time, kind of like no other time, people just have an urge, a sense of wanting to do for others? There's something deep down inside of us that, that resonates with giving, with generosity. And to, to kind of go back to the very roots of Christmas, I want to take us to an Old Testament prophecy found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and following. And this is what Isaiah the prophet is speaking on God's behalf to the people of that time, predicting the coming Savior, Jesus. He said, The Spirit of the, of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. You see this overwhelming, generous love of God coming into the world. He says, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against His enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He says, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, he says, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. So this was written thousands of years before that very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus. But it was pointing to a Savior, a Messiah that would do all these things, that would generously bless all the people of the earth in some way. 
What's interesting is Jesus is born in Bethlehem, grows up. At age 30, he begins his public ministry after he's been baptized. And Jesus opens the scroll in the temple and he reads from Isaiah. It's found in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. And Jesus, these are his own words now. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news for the, to the poor. He has sent me to pro- proclaim the, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then look at this. And then it says, Jesus rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And he began to speak to them, and this is what he said. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus was saying, the one that has been prophesied to bring the very generous heart of God to humanity is here, and it's me. Jesus was saying, I am that one, and I've come to bring healing. When I think about those passages and what Jesus then lived out in the Gospels, what we see is a generosity both physically and spiritually. You think about what Jesus did even physically for people as he walked this earth. What did he do? He, he caused the lame to walk. He made the blind to see. He healed physical infirmities. He touched lepers. He came alongside of people in their darkest times, and physically, he restored them with the generous care of God and the power of God. Jesus did incredible miracles. You think about even after Jesus ascended back into heaven and he sent his spirit to indwell his church, the body of Christ. And what has the body of Christ been known for over the ages? It was the church that first started hospitals. It was the church that first started education for all people. So the generosity of God has flowed through Jesus and then through Jesus' people in a myriad of physical ways. But that's not all. The generosity of God comes spiritually to us as well through the person and work of Christ. You think about it. We weren't just broken physically. We were broken spiritually. The relationship that God created for us to have with him was severed, and we were lost. We were in a dark place. And Jesus came to bring light. Jesus came to uh, rescue the the spiritually poor, the bankrupt before God, when we had nothing to offer God and could have never repaid him for all of our shortcomings, Jesus paid it all on our behalf. So what we see in the person of Jesus is him fulfilling these ancient prophecies showing the generosity of God, both physically and spiritually. Merry Christmas. That's why we celebrate That's why Christmas is about generosity. And so for a few moments, I want us to think about, well, what is it then that we are called to be generous with? Usually that word generosity, it's it's described or defined as uh, giving freely to others at a personal cost to oneself. Giving freely to others 
at a personal cost to oneself. And that fleshes out in a myriad of ways. When, when we show generosity, first and foremost, it can be through our time. And I don't know about you guys, but like to me, that commodity is growing ever more important in my life. It's, 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 it's growing ever more important. It's, it's like the, one of the most significant things I can give to a person that will really, really be a sacrifice will be time. Why? Because we're all so busy. <laughs> Actually, uh, after Christmas, we're going to launch into a brand new message series here at the chapel called Exhausted. Because everybody is. Our time is, is so full. It's so limited. But that's why it makes it such a powerful thing to extend our time, to share our time with someone else. That's truly living out generosity the way that God does. Not only that, but our talents, our gifts. I just talked about our, our worship team and them using their talents, some of their gifts. We have people in the tech booth. They're using their computer skills and audio ears, and they're using their talents to serve other people, to generously give both of their time, but also their abilities for the sake of others. Our, our, our girls just got home from college last night, and Lainey, our oldest, who's about to graduate, she was telling me that uh, there was a guy in one of her classes, and he, he messaged her, and she thought, oh, what's this about? And Well, it, it wasn't a date, but he was looking for some help. And he texted her, he said, Lainey, she's at uh, Indiana Wesleyan University, and they have to take some Bible classes there. And he reached out to her, and he said, Lainey, is there any way that you could help me with my paper? And, and then he wrote, he goes, you're smarter than me with the Bible, and you know how to write. She's a communications major. And, it, and, and she, she was happy to do it. Why? Because other people have been generous to her in her life. And she realizes that part of what God calls us to is to use not just our time, but our talents, our abilities, in, in whatever way that that might look like. It, it may be that you're good with writing, or you're good with speaking, or that you're you're good with your hands or building or fixing or caring. But the generosity of God can flow through your life and through mine when we give of our time and of our talents. And then certainly through our treasure, what we have, what we've been blessed with, uh, our resources, um, our finances. When we give towards something else or share what we have with someone else, it makes a huge impact. I tell you, I've been so encouraged over the last few weeks because I've had several calls from chapel friends, chapel members, and all they've called to say is, hey, Todd, we just want to help somebody this Christmas. Do you know anybody? Could you share it with the other pastors and staff? Is there anybody that needs a meal at Christmas? Is there anyone that can't afford gifts for their kids this Christmas? One guy, one guy went out to the music shop, bought a brand new electric guitar and, and an amp, and all of a sudden, he said, I just believe in musicians, and I just want to bless some young person in this way. How cool is that? Just giving of their resources. Why Christmas? Why generosity? because God has been so generous to us, right? So time, talent, treasures. 
that's what we can give with. But then the question is, why? What's the motivation behind it? And so uh, in, in our remaining time, I want to talk about four ways, four, four reasons, really, why we are called to live generously. And the first one is because being generous brings us into alignment with God's character. You know, when you look at the descriptions of God throughout the pages of Scripture, there's hardly a description that is used more than giving and generous. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave the best. <laughs> and and, and it, if we want to align ourselves with the character of God, because that's what we were created for. Think about it. There's something deep down inside of us. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because there's something deep down, hardwired in us as human beings that feels good when we are generous towards others. Yeah, it might hurt at first, it might cost, it might mean sacrifice, but deep down there is a rich satisfaction when we give. Why is that? Because we were created in the very image of God. Think about it. Even the Scrooge or even uh, the Grinch at some point (laughs) felt good about giving. It's hardwired in us as part of God's image. And the crazy thing is that the more that we give, I have a friend that always says, you just, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Because he always gives so much more in return. And, and he's not talking about, oh, I gave this amount of money, and so then all of a sudden I gained this amount of money. No, he's talking about, I gave this, but then I, I gained something deep inside. A joy, a fulfillment, a purpose. A significance. Why? Because I gave. Because I showed generosity. And sometimes people will talk to us as pastors and like, well, I want to really grow in my faith. And we'll talk about, of course, we always talk about, you know, well, are you digging into the truth of God's word? And are you spending some time in prayer? Have you engaged in the life of a small group? These are all things that help us grow in our faith. But you know, there's a, an often overlooked way that Jesus created us to grow and to become more and more like Jesus. It's through our generosity. Look at what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. He says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, in your love from us, he goes on, I want you also to excel in this gracious gift of giving. Paul understood a secret that when we are generous towards others because of God's generosity to us, it unlocks something in our souls. And it it, it bears out Christ's character in us at a whole new level. We get in touch with who we were truly created to be. That's why I say, why generosity? Because it aligns us with God's character. But there's another reason why we should be generous, because being generous is a primary way for us to worship. Giving is, a, is an act of worship. Now, I grew up in a, in a Methodist church, uh, went there every weekend with my family. It was just kind of like the 
the social thing. I mean, every, like it was a popular church in the community, and everybody went there. I can remember standing in line, greeting people, and old ladies pinching my cheeks, you know, because as families, you, 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 you were signed up automatically as greeters, I guess. Like, it wasn't a choice. Like, no, if you come here, no, you're greeting. Uh, and, and I can remember those days, and, and I didn't understand a lot of things back then. I mean, I was just young. Here's some things, though, that I can remember. I can remember that uh, at some point in every single weekend service, um, they would read a scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 that sounds like this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then shortly after... They would take an offering, and they would pass a plate, and, and it would go down the aisles. And I can still remember uh, my mom or my dad sometimes reaching into his wallet or my mom reaching into her purse and giving me a quarter and, and getting, like, it was so exciting to get to put something in the plate as it came by. And then I can remember every single time, every single weekend, as soon as people put money in the plates, they would bring the plates not to the back, but they would bring the plates forward to the front, and they'd place them on a table, and the pastor would be up there, and then all of a sudden, they would start to sing this song, the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it was like as the offering was being brought up, they were praising God. Praise God from whom all blessings come. And I can literally remember thinking, wait a second, that wasn't from God. I put that quarter in there. (laughs) Praise Todd from whom all blessings flow. I mean, we're the ones that are blessing everybody. You see, I I, I didn't really have a real relationship with Jesus yet. Even our whole family, we were, we were just going through the religious motions of what you do. And I didn't, I didn't understand the significance of giving. I didn't understand things like when, when we're generous with our money in the name of Jesus, our light does shine. And it's a way to worship God. I I didn't realize that when people put money in the plate, it wasn't just a religious duty. That it's meant to be a response, like we talked about last week. A response to who God is and His generosity towards us. I didn't realize back then that when you take time to help someone else in the name of Jesus... That's when your light shines, and that too is an act of worshiping God. When Laney took time to help this guy write his paper and help him with some grammar things in the name of Jesus, her light shined to him, and she was worshiping God in that moment. And the same happens in your life and my life. When we give generously, whether that's of our resources, of our time, I didn't realize back then when, when I was six years old, eight years old, attending the the Methodist church, that when you use your talents to serve someone in the name of Jesus, your light shines and you worship God. You see, generosity, it's a way to align ourselves with the very character of God, but generosity is a way for us 
to engage in worshiping God and being a light to a world that is so very, very dark. Well, there's a third reason why generosity. It's because being generous is a strategic way. I love how Jay put this when he was working on this message and we thought about it together. He says, being generous is a straight strategic way for me to break free from me. Being generous is a strategic way for me to break free from me. What we mean by that is this. We live in such a um, consumeristic culture, materialistic culture, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with things and stuff. And There's just something wrong with it when that becomes the goal of our life, like the end all, the it's what one Roman proverb says, riches are like salt water. The more you drink, the more you thirst. Isn't that so true? It's only God that gives the ability to find great joy or contentment even in the things that we are blessed with. But if we're not careful, our hunger and thirst for more stuff is a me-centered mentality that will never, never be ultimately fulfilled. Carrie Newhoff, in his book, uh, Didn't See It Coming, has a whole chapter in there about greed. And he says it's, it's, it's amazing how easy greed can latch hold of our heart without us even fully understanding. And he says there's a pattern that's often played out in our lives. It's the more, better, different pattern. And he describes it in the book. He says, you know, we get something and we're grateful for it. And what does that lead to? Well, we just want a little bit more, right? Uh, and he, and th- again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with more. Sometimes more is good. Hey, if you have more, you can share more, right? But he says oftentimes what happens is we get something and then our next step is we want more. And then when the more stops like doing something for us, well, then we have to move to the next level. Well, we just need something that's a little bit better, right? So if it's a, like I just spent some time with some friends last Friday, and we went to this incredible uh, indoor mountain bike park in Cleveland. And uh, I used to do a lot of mountain biking. The mountain bike hanging in my garage is literally 27 years old. I rented a bike at this bike place because I wasn't sure how rusted out mine might be on the internal parts, and I thought it might actually just break down uh, if I take it. So I rented this new bike, and all the technology has changed. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like, mountain bikes are completely different now. I mean, there's still two wheels, and there's still brakes, but there's hydraulic brakes, and, and, and there's, a, there's a seat post thing where you push a button, and the seat post will drop down, or it will rise up for you. Like, no, no stopping and, like, you know, wiggling things and having to have wrenches. And uh, the technology is unbelievable. And so as soon as I got home, I started shopping. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I'm on Facebook, and, it, you know, this, this, it hears you, okay? And so, like, all these ads are popping up because I've been at this indoor mountain bike park. And um, no lie, there, there, there was one bike, and the brand was called Godspeed. I took a screenshot, sent it to the two guys I, with, I was with. I said, it must be a sign. <laughs> now, nothing wrong 
with mountain bike. Nothing wrong necessarily with getting a new mountain bike, Lisa, please. Um, <laughs> the problem is when we have something and then we just need a little bit more of it and then once the more stops satisfying, then we, well, well now we've got to get better. Because here's the thing, I could get the better one, but there's always going to be an even better one. More, better, and then eventually you just want something that's different. Like, oh no, this mountain bike, uh, no, hydraulic brakes, that's old school, man. These are some new thing, you know, some new trendy thing. Or, or oh, the frame is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's in a different shape. Or, oh, oh, now it's got these kind of wheels. Or it, it's got to be something different so that when you show up at the mountain bike park, you can be like, everybody's like, oh, dang, wait, what is that? Oh, let me see that. You want something different, unique. Or ancient, collector, and extra valuable. More, better, different. You see the pattern? I bet, I bet, I bet you've seen the pattern in your life too. And again, this is this is no judgment for like getting more or something better. It's just if that is what's taken hold of our hearts and what's driving us, pushing us forward all the time. That'll scuff out generosity in our life really quickly because we'll always be looking for more, better, different for us. Well, there's a fourth and final reason why generosity that I see from the scriptures, and it's that being generous allows me to be part of something bigger than myself. Uh, many of you were part of our Churches Left the Building event where people, groups, small groups, friends, family uh, went out and just serve the community. In fact, this morning I was talking with somebody and they were reminding me that there's somebody from our Port Clinton campus and they're down south for the winter. And from Florida, they took a picture and they were out serving during church, the churches left the building. I love that. That's the church out there being, doing what we're called to be and do. And people went out and they gave of their time and they gave of their resources and they gave of their talents and abilities reflecting the heart of God. And what did that do? They were part of something much bigger than themselves. And isn't that also something that deep down inside of us, every human being, whether you're a Christ follower or not, there's something in us that longs to like do something, something that matters, something that changes things, something that it's bigger than us. And this is the amazing, generous heart of God as he says, come on, you're invited. Get in on what I want to be up to in this world. That's generosity. Why generosity? Because we become part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Whether that's churches left a building or many of you picked up one of our Christmas giving catalogs this year. And... Uh, you, you gave, you, you purchased gifts for, for community ministries or ministries across the globe that we've partnered ourselves with. You know, this year, over $17,000 has already been given by our chapel family to purchase gifts that are going all over the globe. That is cool. You can clap for that because that's you guys. You guys, that's being part of something bigger than ourselves. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, and we'll close with this. Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. 
I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And Jesus said these words, And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Why generosity? (laughs) Because it engages us in something so much bigger than ourselves. And at the end of the day, when we give to others our time, our talents, our treasures, we're giving to Jesus himself after all that he has given us. Man, what does he deserve? So I want to, get, give, I want to close with uh, these final questions. Number one, who in my relational network needs my time? Just a, a listening ear, just to sit down and share life with them. Who needs that in your life? Because that's a huge commodity. Secondly, who, who in my relational network needs some of my skills, my experience, my assistance? What has God blessed you with that you're able to do that maybe someone else in your life needs right now? And then thirdly, who in my relational network just needs some financial help? A practical encouragement just to say, hey, this one's on us. Or hey, I hope this helps. You guys, we have such an incredible opportunity this Christmas, not to just give and receive gifts like we do every year, but to do something that aligns us with the very heartbeat of God, that is an act of worship, that that engages us in something so much bigger than ourselves. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that I want to be a part of. And I think it's yours too. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your deep love for us. Thank you that God so loved the world that he gave.